Not that of a maestro, more like that lizard from Geico. When I lick, 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 you go psycho. Downtown, I'm more famous than Michael. My game, I gave it to Tyco. Gene Simmons of my time. Whoa, got my control, damn control. Up to your spine and back down to your toes. Melt you, little mama, like high low mode. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Xander Effect. I'm your host, Xander Dames. Welcome to uh, a brand new week. It is Monday. We have a few uh, topics to chat about today, including James Lipton passes away today at 93. The Inside the Actors Studio host passed away peacefully today. We'll talk about a little bit about that. In sports, will WrestleMania 39 be canceled due to the coronavirus? That's, that's something that a, a few people are asking about. And in video game news, the division, uh, the new division, uh, Warlords of New York expansion was out early. We'll go ahead and find out why that happened. Plus, special guest, Queen of the Paranormal, Kadrosa Ona Carroll, will be on the show today. But before we get into all that, here is J.P. Castillo's Tu Ausencia, right here on the Xander Effect. Yo que no 
that was JP Castillo's Tu Ausencia right here on the Xander Effect. In entertainment news, James Lipton, the host of Inside the Actor Studio, passed away today at the age of 93. Uh, the, the journalist, uh, the host of this show, had interviewed nearly 300 stars over the years. Uh, and that included star celebrities such as Al Pacino, Amy Adams, Morgan Freeman. The list just goes on and on. Uh, he was nominated for 21 Emmys through uh, through the run, which basically the, the show uh, was on Bravo from 1994 until uh, 2018, where his last uh, his last guest was Ted Danson. That was his, that was his final guest that he had on his show. Um Lipton had a very interesting life throughout his career. He started doing the voicing of the nephew of the title character in the Lone Ranger series in the 40s. And then he started writing for soap operas, uh, starred in a bunch of uh, Broadway plays. And and what was even more interesting about him is that he was a pimp in uh, the 1950s in Paris. So he basically did a lot um the cool part about his interviewing tactics although it was very it was very like like it was very um he had a very interesting way of interviewing people which basically it was an exhaustive type of interview and it was just so interesting because even even Will Ferrell poked fun at him. SNL poked fun at him a little bit because of his interviewing stylings. And he actually liked it. James Lipton actually uh, got a kick out of Will Ferrell's impression of him. So that was really cool that he he had a good sense of humor. Um but uh, yeah, he did have that type of that type of interview style, and what was really cool about uh, Lipton was that he never. He, he was never about the gossip of the celebrity he was interviewing. He was always about uh, the craft. That's what interested him the most. And, you know, in his retirement speech, he actually quoted or he, he actually said, quote, I made a vow early on that we would not deal in gossip, only in craft. Which is something that he that he uh, that he made in his retirement announcement. Uh, his wife of many years, uh, Kendakai Turner, basically confirmed to TMZ, and she said, "Quote: There are so many James Lipton stories, but I'm sure he would like to be remembered as someone who loved." what he did and had tremendous respect for all the people he worked with. Also, James Lipton also said, actually, uh, in 2013, he was asked uh, what he would like to hear God say upon arrival in heaven. And he joked, I want him to say, you see, Jim, you were wrong. I exist, but you may come in, but you may come in anyway. So, you know that that's that's uh, you know that's that's something that uh, many people will, will remember for him like a great sense of humor. Rest in peace, Mr. James Lipton. In other entertainment news, Meghan Markle is looking to do a superhero role in Hollywood. So the 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 actress is now now that I guess I guess her and her husband have left the royal family they're looking to try to lead normal lives and uh Meghan Markle she had a normal life 
per se uh, when she got into this industry because she got into acting. She was in acting. She was an actress before you know she became royalty uh, through marriage. And so she's looking to get back into the acting world. And apparently, you know, some people are saying that uh, some people near her are saying that she wants to possibly get into uh, into acting. And uh, there's a source. And uh, there's a source that that's close to Markle that was quoted on uh, Fox News saying Megan is planning a series of meetings in Hollywood. She has already done the voiceover for Disney and now word is out that she's looking for a superhero film as a voiceover or even on screen. She knows she can't carry a film as an actress people won't be able to get past the fact she's Meghan Markle but she's determined to act again and she thinks she she thinks a big ensemble film is the way to go i mean in a sense, yeah, maybe people can't get past the fact of the matter that she's married to Prince Harry. Uh, but at the same time, she is a human being. She is uh, she is looking, you know, to just be treated normal. And I and I can totally see that. I could totally agree with that. I mean, at the end of the day, she is a human being. She is, you know, her her station in life shouldn't determine what roles she could get or how people should perceive her. Because, you know, she is just trying to, like, make things happen. She's trying to lead a normal life. Well, <laughs> semi-normal life. Uh, she's trying to get her career. I mean, she she did have her career first before she, again, before she became royalty. So she's just trying to go ahead and make something happen. But, I mean, I could kind of see what uh, what she sees, like, in the, in the sense. I mean, this is just my personal opinion. I mean... I can't speak for the rest of the world. The rest of the world might actually see her and be like, oh, she's just, you know, royalty and she's just, she's making Mark, she's the wife of Prince Harry. She's Harry. She's Meghan Markle, you know, Prince Harry's wife, and they can't, they won't be able to get past that image. So I understand what she's, uh, what, what she's thinking. But it would be interesting to see her in a superhero role. Um, that seems like that's, I mean, hell, that's something I wouldn't mind getting into myself, you know, being a superhero because that's a pretty cool role to have in any movie so i mean it's gonna be interesting to see if maybe uh you know since she is working with disney and disney obviously is in the superhero market right now it would be interesting to see what disney might have planned for her i mean they may see her the same thing she sees they may want to go ahead and put her in a small role in one maybe one of the new uh marvel comic movies that that are coming out you know there are there is a lot of movies that are going to be uh coming out including there's there's talks about uh wolverine being in captain marvel 2 now so there's there's rumors about that there was even rumors about maybe having henry cavill play Wolverine but uh, those rumors were shot down seeing as Henry still wants to remain Superman I mean he he had voiced his uh, his opinion about that saying basically that he wants to remain Superman and if he's a part of DC obviously he can't be a part of Marvel so that will be something that uh, that that's going to be something that that is yet to be seen in with Meghan Markle, you know, becoming a superhero. Who knows? Well, we'll see what happens in 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 the future. In other entertainment news, Harrison Ford's Call of the Wild is going to lose about fifty million dollars at the box office. It seems that the movie starring uh, starring Harrison Ford, the Disney movie starring Harrison Ford, is not doing too well. Um, 
it's it's not doing too well. It's made forty five million dollars in the U.S. and seventy nine million globally after two weeks in the theater. That's that's not exactly the the best result of the movie. So I mean, it's gonna be it, it's it's a I mean, this could have something to do with uh with the coronavirus as well there's a lot of theaters that have been closed in china italy and korea which that might have played a part in the movie not doing too well worldwide at the box office but that still doesn't explain why it didn't do too well here in the u.s market i mean there aren't any theaters that are closed here due to the coronavirus so that really cannot be the excuse uh, that that uh, that they can use to go ahead and say, oh well, this movie didn't do too well because of you know because the theaters are closed. Well, okay, that's fine. But what's your excuse for for here in the states? I mean, you you can't you can't use that excuse here. So chances are the movie's just not uh, not what what people are liking i guess um maybe the the usage of cgi probably through it through them a little bit and uh that that could be something that uh, maybe maybe a lot of fans are not liking too much who knows there could be a million reasons but there's definitely 45 million reasons as to why it failed so i mean this it's it's a tough uh pill for harrison ford to swallow scene as he's been a success in so many other movies um you know this is going to be probably one of the few movies that didn't do well you know where he's the star in it so i mean i don't think i don't think he's got i don't think he's worried too much about that to be perfectly honest in other entertainment news i had the opportunity to speak to the queen of the paranormal kadrosha ona carol and she had a few interesting stories to chat about but before we get into that here is midnight howl by the pawn Hawks, right here on the xander effect
So on the Xander effect, I have Kardosha Ona Carol on the show. Kardosha, how you doing? Or or can I call you KO? Please call me KO. You botched my name totally. Sorry. <laughs> oh my God, that's horrible. I'm so sorry about that. Um, well, KO, uh, so you are considered uh, the paranormal queen. Yes, I'm the queen of the paranormal. Queen I'm of the paranormal. Yeah, I've been using the, the name since 2007, and then I decided to trademark it, and it was the best move I ever made financially and otherwise as far as, you know, products and getting my message out and sharing my knowledge with other people. Now, the paranormal is not just, you know, going into a haunted house or whatever. Um, for me, it's, it's healing. It's um, talking to people. It's bringing the paranormal uh, into comic books and um, and sharing your knowledge that way. It's to do children's books like with Billy Diamond and um, Guy Gilchrist. That he's mm -hmm. the uh, you know the Muppets uh, cartoonist. And so we're doing hard hitting messages of healing inside children's books. So the paranormal to me is not all ghost hunting and investigating. It is to bring it out to the masses into the general public, not just a show on like a cable station. Awesome. Yeah. Well, be before we get into like actually the nitty gritty of that portion of your sure. life and your career, how did you get started in all this? I mean, becoming, you know, becoming engulfed in the paranormal some people are born with it some people have uh have an ability that slowly you know they they get you know when they grow up at a certain age i mean how did all this start for you i was born into it i have a uh, beyond generations uh russian polish um of dream interpreters and dream and spirit communicators i grew up in a bilingual household uh, Polish mainly, and um, I thought everybody did this. It was something that everybody did. You know, they'd always come to my my babcia, or my babcia regala, you know, it's babka, which is old grandmother, but you're beyond. And we just all like that's just what it was, you know. And so you, when you grow up and and you move around the country and settle up tours on New England, um, you're like nobody talk. Nobody talks about ghosts or spirits and nobody anything. And because of my ability, they kind of like, uh, I was like an outcast until the parents, you know, um, of these people that would, you know, make fun of me realized, oh, she's got a gift. I'm going to ask her some questions. And before you know it, you know, I was pretty reliable and they had their friends ask me and their friends ask me and, and <laughs> I just kind of grew from there, but I have been doing this um, all my life because I was born into it. So what was your first like official induction into the paranormal? I mean, what kind of, what, what um, experience did you have? And that that's when you figured out, okay, this is real. This is actually out here. I mean, I know that you were, that you were raised and born into it, but what was your first real experience like? Well, I have to say I was probably, probably between the ages of three and five. I don't think five, I think younger. And I was in the car with my parents and we were driving along and I looked at this, the cemetery and I said, we, we, so I had to have been five, couldn't have been three because I wouldn't have been able to talk like that. I, I said, uh, we have family in there. We're buried in there. And my dad's looking like, oh God, here she goes again. <laughs> <laughs> So he said, I said, let's go, let's go, I'll show you. And um, we up and down the bumpy roads, and lo and behold, I come to a patch, and I, uh, 
we got out of the car and I went right to the stones with our names on it. And it, there were hours oh. just looking at each other going, wow. I said, I can hear them. I can hear them. My mother did not have the ability. My father just wanted to ignore it and shove it under the car seat. So <laughs> it, it was one of those things. And that, I, I would have to say, was probably the earliest uh, recollections I may have had around four to five years old. And I know when I was eight years old, I know that I was eight years old. We were celebrating my birthday at my, my aunt's house and had a, a summer home in Rhode Island. And um, we were doing a spirit communication with a candle, an old fashioned candle that was kind of like in a jar, you know, and we were calling for people that were drowned at eight years old, calling for people that were drowned in the lake. God. Like, God, what's wrong with that kid? <laughs> Wow. But it was really cool, you know, because we had answers from the candle. It would either go up or go down or turn sideways, depending on what we would ask. It was almost like a Ouija board, but with a candle. Yeah, it was amazing. And you got to remember now, we were on a lake. Of course, you probably had some, you know, wind. But the candle was covered. Uh, A big thing went up and over it. So it was a little bit different. Um... Hey, 200 years before electricity, what did they have? True. And we're still hunting the same ghosts with all this elaborate material that we knew we had the ghost to hunt. <laughs> I always tell people, never forget old school. Don't forget your hands and your body and the way you feel the energy. And when I lecture and talk to people all over the place um, at these large conventions, that's what we talk about. I let them experience the paranormal up close and personal instead of just, you know, talking about all my experiences and oh, that's fun too. But, you know, I like them to f- actually feel it through my hands, through vibrations and uh, conversation. So then they take that knowledge and teach other people how to do it. And then they're all fascinated. Then they call me and hire me for another job. <laughs> well, that's, that's, really, that's really cool. I mean, so but you from what you're telling me, it seems that you were never really scared of any of this. I mean, any, like a lot of children, they tend to be scared. A lot of parents tend to be right. really scared and they try to suppress, you know, uh, this child's, uh, a child's ability by saying, oh, this kid's crazy. He needs to go see a psychologist. But it seems to me that your parents were more so than anything. They weren't, they weren't scared. They just were kind of like, let's just sweep this under the rug and pretend it's not there. I mean, well, is that yeah, well, Which is ironic because my mother grew up in the same household. So she didn't want to believe. I met my father very young and had me very, very young uh, and ran off with him. And so therefore it was like, let's all start a new world here. Nobody speak Polish. We speak English now. And we uh, don't do that anymore. But uh, when I came home at the age of, I think, 15, Copen 14, Mm I walked in the door. My mother's just standing there. And I said, Aunt Connie died. And she goes, yeah, she, she just passed away. I just got off the phone. I was going to tell you. This is long before cell phones. And so those were the things that she just says, you just, she, yeah, I creep her out. So <laughs> one of those things that, you know, you either have a gift or you don't. And I, I just, I do. And I use it for, um, for good, I guess. That's what no, and that's always, and that's always, <laughs> that's always go ahead and, and use whatever ability you were gifted with 
to use it for good. Um, you mentioned uh, before we started the interview, we talked a little bit, and you mentioned that you were a detective. Yes, I was on Unit 1 the Gang Task Force in Lawrence, Massachusetts uh, for a few years, and we had an auxiliary program and a shortage of officers, so we were given rights to uh, carry guns, do arrests, everything. So, yeah. So did you... So did the academy you... for 16 weeks, Northeast Regional Police Academy. Mm -hmm. I was top of my class and top of my class in firearms training. So did you, did you also use your abilities to your advantage when it came to being a detective? Yeah, because um, you can feel evil intent. And, and, and I know you, you can too. I mean, everybody can. And they don't realize that they walk down the street or they're in a grocery store and they see somebody. And for some godforsaken reason, they step off the curb and walk around or they go into the store and they let the person pass. They have no reason to, the person looks fine. It's just that energy, it doesn't mesh with theirs. They feel Intuition. Whatever. And so they kind of go around. They don't even know the cross in the street to get away from somebody. And um, th that's how you know you have it. And men shake hands. You can feel the vibrations. You can feel the energy. Um, go to a restaurant. You, you're sitting next to somebody and you're going, oh, gosh, please stop this conversation. <laughs> oh, whatever. So you, you can feel the vibrations of something uncomfortable. We all have that ability. We were, it's instinctually put into us for that. But people don't want to rely on that. They, they want to rely on show me or you know, don't uh, oh, ever judge a book by its cover. And I'm not saying to judge a book by its cover. I'm saying to judge it by the feeling you have sitting next to it. And if it smells, that's bad too. Okay. Oh, that's right. Well, yeah, obviously personal hygiene is always important. <laughs> you know, the thing with me is I always try to interject humor because people really are frightened when it comes to the paranormal. Mm -hmm. uh, talking to the dead, by the way, um, they, they, hey, you know, they have loved ones that have passed over, they're afraid. And so how do you talk to them in a palatable manner to maybe calm them down or whatever? I try to interject humor uh, whenever I can. And no, that's, that's always a good thing. That's always yeah. a good thing because, you know, especially like uh, having uh, had family members that have passed on, it's always difficult for them to uh, to even talk about, really. I mean, I, yeah. I know my own personal experience, um, I'm, I'll be celebrating, uh, well, yeah, celebrating my mom's, uh, my mom's uh, anniversary the, she, of the day she passed on the 6th of this week. Wow. Um, okay. um, she passed in 2016. So um, it's going to be four years since she passed. And it was difficult for me to talk about as well for a long time. I was very close to her. So it was difficult for me to talk about as well. And it still is from time to time. But I mean, I feel like a little more free now uh, to be able to speak about her. But I mean, yeah, it's difficult for anybody. So it, you have your skeptics out there that are like, mm, I don't know. Is this person for real? Yeah. Or are they messing with me or what? You know, it's always, that's always yeah, I've had, um, I love it when skeptics come to my appearing table. I do very large comic cons. Uh, I don't do the paracons anymore. I haven't done them for about six years. I, I felt as far as I was concerned, you can only preach to the choir so long, you're not going to get out of a church. My message was more global. So I took the step into a whole different arena. Um, and um, 
yeah, well, happy that I did. Uh, but, you know, um, when they come to my table, yeah, I have a lot of skeptics come to me. And I don't know if it's because of the way I look. They think I'm a dumb blonde. <laughs> but I'm not dumb. I'm very smart. Mm-hmm. And what I do is I teach them how to feel it. And every single one, knock on wood, maybe um, every single one that has come to see me has left with, I don't know why I'm crying. I don't know why my knees buckle. I don't know why I heard my mother's voice in my ear. I don't know why my hands are buzzing. And telling them what you're feeling is the energy from the past. It's all around you. You just have to tap into it. And I teach them how to do that. And that's why I, you know, have the pulse, you know, like this with the hands, because they're receptors. You can feel it. And I teach them how to feel it. And if they, they're not good with their hands, then we try the dowsing rods. And um, when those things start to buzz and heat up and go up your arm and make your chest feel heavy, um, there's really no explanation for that except for they're working. Because dowsing rods, dowsing is a science. It's not like pie in the sky ghost hunting, uh, some things that they do. Uh, it's real. And they feel it. And it is real. And then they leave with... I, I, I never believe you. I thought you were just, you know, some like eye candy thing. And oh my God. Uh, and then they continue to write me. I've even had astronauts come to me. No wow. joke. A scientist, he was an astronaut from NASA. And he had come, I'm not given names, but he came to me. And he he just, I don't believe anything. And he left going, wow, we're very good friends now. We write all the time together. And, um, but... To give somebody something to hold on to that is real and based in science, not, you know, some, hey, geez, I, hey, did you hear that? Uh, no, I did not. <laughs> Maybe you did, but I didn't. <laughs> um, that whole same mantra, it, it gets boring and people just tune out to it. But give them something factual and something based in science and hand it to them. And they don't have an explanation for that. Because dowsing uh, is energy with energy to find, uh, you know, whether it's boundary uh, markers under the ground for land surveying, all the way to look for water with the wooding divide. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's what I supply people is with a tangible product where they can actually get hands on a damn thing. <laughs> and then they go home and then they teach. I teach them. I teach them how to have show family members how to do this, how to take a plain coat hanger and bend it the right way and start off with that. Mm-hmm. And when you get better, you can go like this. And then you can have your relatives sit next to you and you can feel them, that energy, that feeling. Maybe you can smell perfume or clothing or food. You won't get the Hollywood effect that the bed has an indent, mm-hmm. but... You are going to feel that up here, that energy all over, you know, and I teach people how to notice it, what it feels like. And it's funny because they'll say, I feel that a lot when I go over by that wall. I go by that, you know, photograph of a a family member that passed away. I feel those sensations. I said, well, now you can have a conversation because they're reaching out to you through these things so you can take it and start talking and again these are the same principles that have been around 200 years for electricity we're still using them and i love them because they actually work 
And it's true. It's true. I mean, I mean, scientifically speaking, we're always in a constant uh, state of vibration. Like energy is vibration. Right. So right. we're always vibrating, all of us, you know, our energies around us. Yeah, we're always vibrating. It's incredible. So I can understand where science plays a part in the mystic. A lot of people always say that. There's a, anything mystical has a scientific, you know, uh, has a scientific, not an explanation, but a scientific background to everything right. mystical, you know? So, I mean, and I, okay. <laughs> and I completely, no problem. And I completely, you're, you're, you're a popular, you're a popular woman. So I, I can see that happening. Um, so, I mean, you know, I can obviously see that, 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 that makes a lot of sense. Now, right. how did you go from being a detective to being queen of the paranormal or were you always queen of the paranormal? Well, I, always, I, always, I always did the ghost hunting. I mean, yeah, I always did that. Before um, I did the police work, I used to sing in bands and produce bands and very large bands. I was uh, I sang backup at times for the Joe Cocker band, and I also took a stint with the Rolling Stones for a while. And uh, Bobby Vinton, uh, Tom Jones, you know, I, I took the stage uh, with many, many people and uh, did my own thing too. Um, and I always and I remember. Uh, I was with the girls from Joe Cocker, and we were at um, a recording studio, which was kind of like a little hotel to stay at uh, before a tour in Boston, and it was Longview Farms, and one of the girls had an experience while she was sleeping, and uh, she just woke up screaming, what the heck, you know, and uh, so I went in and talked to her about it, so I had always used uh, the paranormal um, and brought it into every single field that I did, whether it was police work. I used to ride for, with the rodeo. I love to heal. And so the music element was very good for me uh, to be able to sing and heal and, and make people happy. And um, I think that's great. I'm also the uh, president and founder of the New England Music Hall of Fame. Wow. Inductee uh, ceremony this is March 26th. Wow, congratulations on that. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I do a lot. It's just not all, you know, a paranormal, but it has paranormal influence in it, um, whether it's music or, you know, doing, I'm uh, also on the board of directors for uh, Tag Team Friendship Productions, mm -hmm. LFB, and we make films that matter. I have 48 awards. 18 of them are on I, uh, IMDb Qualified Awards on IMD. Uh, so, yeah, I do a lot of, uh, you know, production work and editing, you know, different I was actually going to go into that part of, uh, of the interview, and I was going to ask you about uh, your affiliation with Warner Brothers and The Exorcist. That's yes. something, that, that's something that, like, I, I read and I was like, wow, that's interesting right there, because I know I have here's here's something i'm gonna admit right now i have never seen the exorcist nor do i want to because i saw mom, it once that was enough yeah, no I, I never saw it at all my mom my mom yeah. here's the thing my mom used to be like a huge <laughs> she loved horror movies that was the one thing that she loved she saw the exorcist in theaters after that she never saw another horror movie as long as she lived she was terrified she walked out of there terrified mainly because she knew and i know too that it based on a true story. That is what well, scared the hell out of me even more. Well, well, yeah, and that's where I come in. Um, I uh, was partial owner of the tapes 
that I call it the Bishop's Files, but there was an interview with Father Gallagher. Father Gallagher, as you know, was a professor of divinity at Georgetown University. His mm -hmm. It was William Peter Blatty who wrote the book, The Exorcist, and subsequently the movie. Now, the bishop's files were the actual files that Father Gallagher had from the people who witnessed the three exorcisms that they combined to make the movie into one. The girl was actually a boy, and they had all the written documentation from the church. They had over 70 witnesses uh, watching the head turn around or whatever. Oh, my um, God. Watching like I'm, I'm getting chills right now while you're telling me this. It's freaking me out. Yeah. <laughs> and so they, every exorcism, this was a religious exorcism, by the way. That's why they had the priest there. Um, other people who aren't... You know, if you can't cure them that way, then you do a non-religious exorcism, basically the same thing. Um, so, but exorcism, uh, getting back to the, uh, the movie, um, what I did was I had those takes and I come up with an idea. I'm like, why don't we take what the movie did and back it up with the, with the files that they, that they actually used so we can compare what was real and real. And so I did this, and I did it for a project, um, the, the New England Paranormal Awards, and um, so we could see it back and forth. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, Michael Siegel and Bob Boyd decided, hey, why don't we sell it like to Warner Brothers? Let's see what happens. And they did. They bought like 20 minutes of it, but they took my work that I did, the back-to-back the -back stuff, they glitzed it up, you know, redid it. Mm -hmm. and, you know, my editing couldn't compare to theirs. <laughs> Uh, they did a great job, and um, that's why I can put that on part of that now, 40 years after. It was for the anniversary. So it made the 40th anniversary DVD in the director's cut. You can see my work there. And so what we're doing now with, you know, um, other people getting together, and we're going to do a IMDb page on the 40th anniversary, and that will credit me for that work. So, wow, that's a, that's so incredible. I mean, as far as like exorcisms are concerned, and you know the paranormal, you know, uh, a subject that you're an expert in. I mean, there's been science, scientific, well, scientific proof, I guess, that exorcism is actually uh, um, it's it's, a, it's an in, unstable part of the brain that activates a certain certain like things about a person that may seem like that they're that they're possessed but they really aren't it's just it's a it's some sort of something wrong with the brain but at the same time how do you explain the head turning around that that physically you cannot... well the, the head the head didn't turn around that I mean that that was fake that was oh, okay so that was hollywood. so you have to remember they they did a lot of hollywood on mm -hmm. that they turned the boy into a girl they spun her head around went anywhere. but the bed was you know bouncing up and down those things were real okay so how do you that, that, that that's what i'm saying and that's what i'm saying how do you think that not, the bed didn't levitate and go the way hollywood had it but it did bounce and rock and when i do table tipping which is with uh which is what i do at some of these events um mm -hmm. the table moving banging and no one's like no one's moving it it's doing it by itself so it was that same concept where you have the life would get you know with the energy and the energy's bouncing off of your energy making this solid table move making the bed frame move now whether that's based in science or not hey you know you could stretch it to say that it is but um a lot of that movie was 
uh, clearly just Hollywood. Uh, some of the things were not, and that's uh, where that's where I came in. <laughs> Have you ever had an experience uh, in your paranormal uh, experiences where there's something evil, like too evil, and you're like, you know, get it away or something? Like yes, yes. I, I was in a place called Tortilla Flats. It was a Mexican restaurant, and I didn't eat the food, so it wasn't like some like indigestion problem I had. It was just <laughs> and. My son was with me. <coughs> I kept feeling these things hitting me. I go like this. And if you watch the film of that show, uh, you can see these big orbs coming, boom, boom, banging off my arms. I guess I felt them. But there was something at the top of the stairs. And I looked at my son. I said, I'm not going in there. I, um, I just don't. I have a feeling I'm not welcome. I said, if you want to go in and film the room, go ahead. He didn't feel what I felt. And to this day, I haven't. I do go over there to eat because it's like, you know, down the street here. So, uh, but no, I won't go upstairs anymore. I just said, eh, you know what? When they tell you not to go, just don't go. It's out of respect. Yeah, it's just for respect. <laughs> yeah, really. So uh, that's that's so that's so interesting. I mean, you know, you you work for Boston PD. You were there, and Boston that that state alone, I'm sure, has a lot of paranormal activity because of the history uh, that surrounds uh, that 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 area, and even the state of Massachusetts in general. That the whole East Coast has a lot of history dealing with you know uh, the wars, you know the Revolutionary Wars, everything. A lot of deaths yeah. that occurred during the civil wars, everything. So I'm sure you probably get a lot of that energy around you when you're driving. Well, you, you do, but because of the ghost hunting craze, a lot of the energy is dissipated. Um, they always have, and like people go to all of these, you know, uh, huge events for paranormal. Let's all go on a ghost hunt. Let's all do this. And the spirits become like overwhelmed. Uh, the spirit energy isn't there anymore. They get turned off. Yeah, they get turned off. It's like, how wow. many I've seen that group of people? I don't want to come out and say boo today. <laughs> it's like it's it's more like it's more along the lines of it's more along the lines of yeah, you know what? You're gonna have to talk to my agent. You know, death. I like to go to places that aren't done to death for one thing. Yeah. And and I've done the Hoosac uh, train tunnel five miles back and forth. I was the only person allowed with permission. Uh, Zach Baggins couldn't get it. Ghost Hunters couldn't get it. Nobody got it. I got it. Nice. I got it because I keep the integrity of the facility going, and I do it in a proper manner. And plus, I knew the retiring CEO from Panel Rail Services, and I donated a lot of time for ghost hunts and stuff. So... Yeah, it's called Payback, and I got it, <laughs> and I love nice. it. Nice. No, that's awesome. Uh, and I went in the Kings Park um, Asylum, uh, Kings Park, New York, um, and I took the Huffington Post with me. I took Jimmy Starr with me um, and Ron Russell, and we did a ghost hunt in there, and it went viral like in two days. We filmed it and went up, and it was it was some of it was just downright hysterical. We had a rock star crying to get out of the building. <laughs> It was like just wild stuff. And since that, we've done another hunt. And we're doing a comic book now, which is the hunt, the ghost hunt we went on. 
in comic book form. And we're offering people to go um, to be a ghost on the wall or be the rock star or be a demon in the shadows and stuff like that. And that's on Kickstarter, kickstarter.com slash celebrity ghost hunters. And, and, um, I, and I was going to, and I was actually, I was going to touch on that one right before. Yeah. I, let, let me, we'll get to that one in a second. I wanted to ask you your experience on ghost hunters because you were on ghost hunters as well. How was that? You were, you were on ghost hunters. How well, no, no, I, I wasn't on the show. I, what I do is uh, with Mark Tetlow, he owned Ideal uh, Management, Event Management, uh, subsequently ended up in jail because he embezzled like 170000 with his wife, whatever. But um, before he did that, we were, um, and we were doing events together. We were signed to that agency, to Ghost Hunters, me, and I guess people that could draw to to, you know, a uh, ticket money so Mark could fill his pockets and like abscond with it. But anyways, I'm just trying to comfortable. Um, yeah, I, great bunch of guys. Uh, the only thing that I don't like is um, some of this. Like, it's just over processed. The, the whole thing has lost its point of view now, and it's just you know it becomes a commercial. Parent, yeah, paranormal unity. Well. That, that, that's not, I think you should have some kind of unification in a paranormal field, but these paranormal unity events are just ridiculous because it's just all their Facebook friends. No, no other ghost hunters is like a click thing. And it's just weird. And then I don't know if it's their producers or what, but it's almost like beating a dead horse, the same thing over and over and over again. You know, like when you have boring sex over and over and over again, that's what that's like watching it it's like oh my god I'm <laughs> so, you know and, and the same thing like with uh, ghost adventures and it's just like okay now who's tormented what haunted yeah. right now and it's the same it's the same thing and and you know what they're all all those shows get canned left and right and, and they'll be canned too and uh but my legacy uh being with the exorcist and being a superhero uh, in comic book form that and, comic status is iconic um that will never end and so what i have built is more um to go up and around everybody and just sit at the top and just go i can choose and do this greeting cards uh i'm on airport t i'm the face of airport tv right now i signed that contract so all my things are seen globally now and i'm the face of electric car uh, charging stations starting in washington dc with 11 no with 100 of those uh, car charger you stick your electric car in there and they got a digital signage i'm on there that's me Nice. So, able to take the paranormal to bring it really into mainstream and not just on a cable show. And um, we're working, I work with CAS, which is um, Choice Advisory um, Strategic Solutions. <laughs> but they market me now, and I have a chance to almost, I think, we're going to Saudi Arabia on the billboards and you know things like that and we, we have in the airports right now um starting off in the denver airport fifth largest international airport every 10 minutes 
you're going to see me. I come up, it's a comic character and a positive quote for the day. Now, these positive quotes, depending on where in the world you are, are translated, and I do the um, translation for them and the, the verbiage and the audio for the translation. And uh, so those are all, they're on every 10 minutes, 24 hours a day, 180 screens right now. Let's uh, let's 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 uh, circle back a little bit. Let's circle back a little bit and talk about the comic book, okay? Because because yeah. right, you you are you are with comic uh, historian Brian Morris, and basically they they did uh they they did uh, a comic based on you, like a real person, and they made you yeah. a superhero. Like they made you yeah, well, doing what you do and made him into a yeah. superhero. This is a, the cool part. I met Charles Moisette in Okamecon um, in 2015. I think it was two, could have been 14, uh, 15, whatever. <laughs> so I started. And so he came up to me and he said, would you like to be in a comic book? Who doesn't want to be in a freaking comic book? Of course right. I I said, yes. But then I said, wait a minute. I want to do the comic book, but it has to be what I actually do. Well, what do you do besides looking for ghosts? I said, well, I uh, kick doors in and rescue uh, dogs from burning buildings. No, seriously, that's all documented. I do healings and save kittens. I, um, I've been shot at, uh, knocked unconscious. I've been stabbed, you know. Wow. No, I really have. And so... Um, I guess I'm kind of like, it's strange, but I react when I see something and not everybody does that. That doesn't mean there's something wrong at all with them. Uh, they, they're great at calling 911. That's perfect. But I just step out and, and just, we were walking one day and this little girl come dodging between cars and I grabbed her. And when I went, I put my leg out and I got the, the car and I scuffed my boot. She would have been gone. Yeah, well, I, mean, I, I think I think that also has to do with your training as well, police training as well. I mean, right, it's, right, it's I think so. It's just instincts that it activates. And I rescue uh, dogs, uh, and um, yeah, I rescued horses from burning barns. I heard I, there was a gun. I heard that uh, uh, there was a shooter uh, near a school that you uh, that he pointed the gun at you, and you kicked the gun away from yes, him. Yeah, that was actually that was actually my yard. I live uh, one. Um, one house from school, and I had I come home, everything's fine, and I was bringing the recycling outside, and I saw this dude kind of like sitting over to the left hand side behind a bush. And I'm thinking that's weird. <laughs> Therefore, so I put the um, the trash away, the recycling, and came back up and, and went over towards him. And as I went over, he's starting to get up, and the gun went like this at me. And my first instinct was. Boom! I kicked that gun, but because of the way the surface was, it was April sixth when it happened two years ago, and I slipped and fell. And he stood up and he fired two times at me, and the gun wow. didn't. And so I got up and tried to run, and I was knocked unconscious and um, sexually uh, assaulted. And I, when I woke up, I went to the school to get help, and. Um, so yeah, I don't know, and I, I do remember seeing a hypodermic needle after my brain didn't go, uh, got better. <laughs> so um, I honestly, you know, believe that 
you don't know who, what a shooter is going to do. You don't know what people are going to do. Uh, was he shooting up? Was he not shooting up? But chances are, if he's got a gun that can be affected through a, a power kick like that, then that was a bad gun, um, probably by a drug user. Uh, that's what I would think as a detective, you know. Uh, wow. You're going to shoot to school. Well, it's not going to be able to be, you know, kicked and then broke. So, um, wow, that, that, that is, that's, 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 wow. That's I'm, I'm actually at a loss for words with that one. Cause I mean, I, you, you went through a lot in that particular uh, moment and I'm sure yeah. it was very traumatic for you. I mean, especially the sexual assault after that. Um, yeah. I have trouble. Um, I, I have Emmanuel, um, Antonio Emmanuel, we call him Manny. He's a former law enforcement and I had gone, believe it or not, I think you're in shock. The very next weekend, a few days later, I had to go to uh, Hudson Valley Comic Con out in New York. And I just sat there telling him all this stuff and he's like, you're not crying. I said, I, I feel numb, just numb. But uh, there were times when I walk by that bush now and I just feel like I can't breathe. My PTSD. And so, but it's strange where I live, it's gotten very bad now with uh, drugs and things moving. Thank God. <laughs> but um, I had heard that there was a few, it was a few weeks later, a month later, a boy got shot diagonally from me and died in the street, um, but drugs and stuff. And um, someone told me that they, honestly believe that that was the guy and I have never seen anyone uh anyone near that description I don't even know what that kid looked like that passed away but we did pray as a family for him um so they have not found the person so um it was bizarre and you know working with the police they knew I was an officer and um it yeah, it was just, it's just a bad, bad thing. But, you know, you try to make a positive out of everything. And uh, I took the positive out of it. I'm breathing. I'm alive, you know. And I can share a message that um, react. Be careful. Close the doors of the school. Believe, you know, if there's a gunman in the area, just close the damn doors. Tell the parents, you know, stuff like that. So good did come out of it, you know, um, and I'm glad that that happened. But if I were to do it again, if I saw somebody near my bush, I, I don't know how I would react now. Um, I probably have to say I do the same thing, go over to see what the problem is. You know, that's what we do. We yeah, that's that's. Yeah, that's that's all you can. Well, I'm glad to, I'm glad that you're doing better from that horrific yeah. experience, and I'm glad that yeah. you turned it, you know, turned a negative into a positive. Uh, let's switch gears here for a second. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit. <laughs> let's, go, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about uh, the books. Your books. You have a lot of books. You're uh, author of a lot of books. Let's, let's talk a little bit about that. What's which one is your top? Well, I I was the first person to write for Haunted America, which was um, for History Press. They contacted me and wanted me to write a uh, a history perspective on the Merrimack Valley, but with uh, paranormal undertones. Well, how, how do you do that, you know? So what I did was I, I looked at some samples of 
historical perspective, it was way too wordy. I'm like, yeah, I like that. So I wrote it in my own words um, from a historical perspective from the Merrimack Valley, which was the mountains in New Hampshire, the White Mountains, all along the Merrimack Riverbed, all the way out to the ocean in Massachusetts. They didn't realize it encompassed two states, but I did a timeline from the inception of the river when the glaciers were there. I had that historical value all the way through the different um, industrial belts, all the way out to the ocean and everything along the way as far as hauntings and things that I have done. I actually went out and did these things because I'm thinking like writing a book, I just can't sit in my living room and make this stuff up. I really wanted to, to experience it. Yeah. So we have things like the Academy Lake Dance Hall Theater where Sonny and Cher played and Cab Calloway was there. And so all of, we have pictures of the old bands and orbs everywhere and all this different stuff. So that book is fascinating. And then I did um, Ghosts of the uh, New Hampshire Seacoast. And that was another, uh, just the seacoast region of only New Hampshire, but stories that took you so far back into history and brought that history to modern day and the locations. Every place in the first book, um, The Haunted Legends of the Merrimack Valley, you could go and visit. It wasn't like I wrote it in my living room, made this stuff up, um, like, hell, it's a private location. Uh, <laughs> locations you can actually go to uh, in exchange commerce. To me, that was important. I'm a big supporter of Main Street America, and we need to get local businesses involved. So that's where I stayed. That was the niche there. And uh, same thing with, uh, you know, the ghosts of the New Hampshire Seacoast. You can actually go by those buildings. And I was up on the beach this weekend and with some people, and I said, oh, look at that. Can't it be like this whole theater? Not Canby, like I said, it was the um, Hampton Beach Casino. I said, do you know what the parking lot used to be? And they're like, no. I said, it was a baseball uh, park for um, the workers that would come up and they wanted recreational time, and they had a baseball field right there. Yeah. Wow. A lot of history mixed in with the paranormal um, experiences. And so that's what those books are about. The comic book, The Healing, that really took place. And even though it's in a comic book, it, it truly happened. So I documented that. I have the, you know, the woman wrote a statement and stuff for me. I have that on file. But it was about a kitten that um, she wanted me to go over and just give it a healing for safe passage. It was dying. It was just very little. And when I got there, I'm thinking, it's, it's dead. I picked it up. It was like, I thought it was dead, but I could see it was still breathing. So I, I did a healing for it, and I breathed on it, and I held it, and I put it down. I thought by the time I got to the car, I was going to be dead. The woman came out of the house and said, the cat is walking around the bed. What did you do? And I'm like, oh, I thought she lied. So I said, let me the house, please. <laughs> I get in her house, and um, the cat is moving around the bed. And it grew up. And she was able, she ran the animal rescue and she was able to adopt it out in perfect health. That's a real story. Wow. And use that for the healing. 
And then, of course, uh, Haunted Legends of Bachelors Grove. That's when I met um, Brian Morissette, and I became the first person in comic book history to be a real-life superhero, doing what I do in real life between the pages of a comic book. And it's not undisputable. It is indisputable, because you can't dispute it, because it isn't anybody else. And uh, Stan Lee told me so. So and he congratulated <laughs> me with a great big hug when I got Oh, that's awesome. He says, yeah, you know, I thought about that, and uh, there's no one out there except you. So that was wonderful um, to get it by the man himself. So I'm trying to get, you know, all of these things out to the public. Um, so that expands my reach as a, you know, a healer and, and paranormal person and to do it with positivity, to get everybody, you know, on the same page. Hey, it's not all ghost hunting, dude, you know? We do other things. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. No, you guys like pretty much anybody that's involved. They like, like I was telling you about a friend of mine who is a psychic medium. What right, he right. Does, what, what he does is he also does healing. He does that. He right. also does uh, my friend, uh, William Constantine. He does healing. He's also a wildlife photographer. Uh, he, oh, cool. yeah, yeah. He goes, he goes to different parts of the world and he's kind of like an animal whisperer because animals keep on coming to him and yes. he's able to take great pictures, great shots. He was actually uh, recently in Alaska. He was, he was in that part of the area. He was actually uh, taking pictures there. So yeah, so it's like these are gifts that you were given to, you know, and abilities that you were given, but you're, you're regular people on, the, on a, with regular, with, you do regular things, regular jobs, you know, things that you want to do. So that's really cool. So here's, here's my, my wonderment. How can people follow you? How can we all stalk you? How, where, where can we find you? Oh, I'm going to be a stalker now. I'm <laughs> you are. You're already there. Yeah, you're already there. <laughs> they can go to queenoftheparanormal.com. From there, all the social media things are there. You can read about me. We update it like a lot. I've just put on there so you can get digital downloads of the comic books or a hard copy of the books. Um, I got, I got, I'm still working on, I got this DVD that you can actually digitally download too called Voices of the Dead. And they're not just all my EVPs, they're EVPs of other people um, during events that have gotten like animals to react and all this stuff, I mean, it is just wild. So it's not just me, it's a combination of different things and I got addition two I'm working on. And of course, with with CAS LLC, we got a lot of cool things coming up uh, all over the world when it comes to uh, me pushing positivity and healing uh, the comic book and also, you know, the paranormal influence and uh, answering questions and soothing people when uh, people have passed away. Um, like that. Awesome. Well, well, okay. Oh, it was, it was amazing talking to you. I mean, I'm, I'm going back you. from like the many stories that you had to share on the Xander effect. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank I, you for I, having me and being so gracious. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. It was easy. It was easy with, with, uh, speaking to you and you know what? I'd love to have you, uh, back on the show again and tell, to let me know what you're up to. Oh, oh, I love that. We have a lot of fun together. And when I come out to LA to see Jimmy and Ron Russell, we all have a party together. They promised me a Hollywood cocktail party. I'm keeping them to it. 
Well, you know what? You you you, you better invite me because you know. I'm oh, absolutely! I got lots of friends I want to invite over there. Oh, it'd be great. Green Bay have a swimming pool too. Oh, beautiful! Excellent. Well, thanks again, Ko, for being on the Xander Effect. I hope to see you very thanks. soon. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you so much, Kadrosa Ona Carol, for being on the Xander Effect. I hope to have you on the show again very soon. In sports, it looks like the showcase of the Immortals, WrestleMania, may be canceled. Actually, there have been there have been talks that WrestleMania 36 could be canceled due to the coronavirus outbreak. And uh, the WWE chief uh Stephanie McMahon is basically saying that, uh, you know, she's she's worried. I mean, she's concerned, not worried, but she's concerned about uh, the safety. She told the Tampa Bay Times, quote, the health and safety of not only our fan base, but also our superstars really does come first. We don't want to put anyone in a bad situation ever, regardless of circumstances. Uh, those are not risk worthy those are not risks worth taking. Uh, so basic. So that that's that's going to be kind of tragic because I mean this this virus has really taken over the world, uh, businesses, the economy, everything. It's really hindered uh, everything. Including, I mean, like I reported before, there's been a couple of athletes that have been quarantined that were from from Taiwan. The Boston Red Sox quarantined them. Uh, there have also been reports that a couple of golfers from Italy have also been quarantined due to the virus because of, you know, how it's propagated in those parts of the world. Uh, so, you know, WrestleMania garners in so many different people from all different types of from from everywhere, from all parts of the world. So that's one of uh, the WWE's main concerns is because you have people coming in from different parts of the world that bought tickets to see this huge show that is is recognized worldwide and it would seem that the coronavirus has has made it so that they're they're you know they're taking so many precautions that they don't want they don't want to have um they don't want they don't want to put anybody at risk and i can see that because especially now seeing it as there's been cases that have been reported of uh of of communal transmission uh so many like there's been people up in uh, northern california and the areas of washington that have been that have gotten the, the disease uh through uh through community uh, through a community outbreak so there's concerns that you know that could happen at such a large event with so that it's like we're talking about like thousands of people who's crammed it into a stadium all from different parts of the world and some of those parts that are actually that have the coronavirus within it you know and of course as as you know there have been reports that this virus you can't there are no signs of it you could be a carrier and not know it for 14 days um there's a intubation period of 14 days and you know then all of a sudden you have it so that's a lot of concern for many people including the wwe so i would think that that is that is um that is uh that is definitely a concern for the wwe so props to them for for you know for uh for taking this step and possibly unfortunately canceling wrestlemania 36 
In other sports news, the Tom Brady will he, won't he stay in New England drama continues. And this time it spilled over on the ba- on a college basketball court. Uh, Julian Edelman uh, and Tom Brady were both seen at a college basketball game, and uh, the camera obviously they you know they the uh, the the camera that was televising the event pointed at the two uh, athletes, uh, the two football players in the stands. And Julian decided to jokingly he saw the camera pointing at both of them. He jokingly went ahead and you know mouthed off he you know the words he's coming back he's coming back while pointing at Brady. Which many fans are happy to see, but as the as the as the video continues, you could see Brady uh, whispering or saying something to uh, to Edelman, and many people are are thinking that that what he said was uh, he's not, which you know pretty much could mean that you know he's this is this is the end for uh, for Brady and the Patriots. Or also he's lying, which that's <laughs> let's let's face it, that's that's not actually a good uh, a good word either. Or this guy. I mean, there's there's so many there's so many avenues that people could go with what uh, Tom Brady was mouthing off, uh, or was what, what was he, he was saying to Julian Edelman after his comment, and it just seems that. Brady seems a little uncomfortable with the, with the gag uh, because I mean there have again the rumors are still flying about whether or not he's gonna stay in New England whether he's gonna go what's gonna happen what team he's gonna go to there's just it's just all up in the air nobody really knows not even his wife knows as I as I reported before. So there could be so many there could be so many uh, so many theories out there. But we won't know until the final decision decision is made by Tom Brady himself whether or not he's staying with New England and, of course, where he's going to go to after that. So that's another that's another question mark that many fans are are asking. In other sports news, Dana White doesn't give a crap if you like him for supporting Donald Trump or not. So he was seen uh, on uh, out and about, and and TMZ basically stopped him for a second, and they asked him a few questions about him being friends with Donald Trump, with the president of the United States, and flying on Air Force One, and you know he 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 obviously loved the experience, uh, and he said that Do- basically he said that Donald Trump is a really great guy, he's a good friend, he's known him for a long time, and uh, you know he's a, he's a huge supporter of him. He says that he. Donald Trump is a nice guy and everything. He's a huge supporter. And then they asked him, you know, if if he cares about, you know, UFC fans, about what they think of him, you know, for supporting Donald Trump, certain, you know, liberal fans. And he said, quote, I could give a S. I don't give a S. If you don't like me because I'm friends with this guy, that's your problem, not mine. Well, Mr. White, <laughs> let me go ahead and tell you this wonderful tidbit of information. The fans are the ones that pay you. The fans are the ones that pay for your events. So if there's a long list now, I personally, I don't care who, what your political affiliation is, but that comment in and of itself is really I don't. I don't know. I, it's not. It's not the smartest comment to say because yes, you know, you could be on a high horse right now and then gone tomorrow. But then again, 
you know, maybe I'm wrong. I digress. Uh, at the same time, you have a crap ton of money, so you really could care less what fans think. I mean, but at the on the other hand, it's it's one of those things where you preach about doing a lot of a lot of these sporting events for the fans, and yet you make a comment like this. Which is it? Do you do you care what the fans think, or do you not care what the fans think? You know, obviously for your personal life, you don't care. But to just actually say that out loud, that might rub a lot of fans the wrong way. It, you know, and that might end up making the fans switch over to Bellator or another or another MMA, uh, you know, type of type of programming. So it's it's. It, 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 with a high-profile celebrity like that, you need to be very careful in the way you words things. Now, I can agree. Dana White is the most outspoken person that I've seen. He really, he really doesn't care what anybody thinks about him. He only cares that they continue to watch the UFC. But there comes a point where the fans, like, well, if you're going to go ahead and not show the fans any type of respect whatsoever by saying something like this, then guess what? The fans are going to go ahead, turn around, and watch something else other than your program. It's it's a business move. More than anything, it's a it's it's business. It's not personal. And it just seems that Dana White took that question a little personal by saying he doesn't care. And that's something that could have, you know, consequences in his business. So, I mean, again, it it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter, you know, the political affiliation, but it's it's the way you word things. It's the way you go ahead and say, I don't care. It's the way you go ahead and and pretty much brush off anybody that, that uh, has an opinion over your friendship with somebody who is very controversial in the media. That is the president of the United States, Donald Trump. So, it, it, you know, again, it's just it was just it's in, in my opinion, it's not the best business move to go ahead and say, oh, I don't give a rat's ass what anybody thinks. No, you have to. I mean, you're in the public eye. The public are the ones that pay for you to have that type of an opinion, to be honest with you. They pay for tickets. They pay for pay-per-views. So, yeah, you kind of sort of have to, like, care a little bit about whether or not the fans like you or not. Coming up in video game news, the Division 2 Warlords of New York comes out early? That has a lot of uh, gamers really happy. But first, here is Benny Hanna by Chef Sean right here on the Xander Effect. Bando, we're leaving when we cop, we got that. Ooh. Dirty dishes in the kitchen, we ain't cooking for. Fried, whip it like a drum, and I'm like Benny Hanna, Benny Hanna. 
like a German and like Deniana. Bitch, you don't wanna fuck, see that as Mayana. I'ma cook it up, chef Deniana. Bando and relief, and when we cop, we got that. Ooh, dirty dishes in the kitchen, we ain't cooking for. Deniana, Deniana. with Seth Sean's Benny Hanna right here on the Xander Effect. In video game news, the Division 2 Warlords of New York expansion came out a couple of days early, actually, because um, looks like Ubisoft decided to give its its gamers uh, access to the thirty dollar expansion pack, uh, you know, a day early or so. And uh, it seems that uh, you know you could go ahead and if you own right now, the Division Two is actually uh, for sale for two dollars or, or for three dollars actually on on your um, on any of your of your devices PS. PS4 or Xbox One, and uh, it seems that this this uh, expansion uh, uh, pack adds a new area of New York that was pretty much pretty much unexplored in the in the original division uh, the division. So that's going to be interesting. It raises the level cap to forty. There's also uh, aside from the new story content, there's also revised gear and power in a power growth system. So. There's definitely uh, there's definitely gonna be a lot of stuff to do in the new story mission as well as in the current uh, map, which is Washington D.C. So that should be very interesting to see. Um, the new story basically takes place after the campaign. So any new players that are just getting into the game now can actually, if you already bought the expansion pack, can actually already start that expansion pack. They could jump into it run right away. So that's going to be, you know, a really cool little little uh, little tidbit to have as well. 
As far as the new map is concerned, you're definitely able to explore uh, areas such as Lower Manhattan, which that includes Battery Park, Twin Bridges, Civic Center, and uh, the Financial District, as long as as well as more than likely many, many more areas of New York. So it's out now, folks. The Division Two. Warlords of New York is out now, so definitely take a look at that. That should be a lot of fun for a lot of gamers, and hopefully this game will definitely uh, have a lot of Division fans very satisfied with this new expansion pack. That's the news. In case you haven't heard it, thank you so much for listening to The Xander Effect. I'll see you next time. Live it up. Be Taylor. The Xander Effect is powered by 5050 Global Music Inc., BMG, and Sony Music The Orchard, in association with Art19 Media.